about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Got several calls on her last week that uh, people couldn't pick it up online, so I bailed Patrick out saying that we didn't record last week, so I made him look good anyway out of the deal, so. Got a Bible this morning? Let's take it out. Glory to God. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Two weeks ago, we started talking about the anointing of God in the Old Testament, explaining to you about what you have and how you can use it. Probably the most important thing that God ever gave you was the Spirit of God, Christ, or the anointing of God that you have on the inside of you. God has given you the ability of God. He's given you the power of God. He's given you the ability to do whatever God calls you to do, but you have to know what you already have on the inside of you and how it operates in order basically to get the job done. How many of you want to fulfill your purpose here on the earth? Amen. Oh, good. Praise God, half of you. It used to be one-fourth, so we're doing better now. That's good. Starting to get to people. Glory to God. Second Corinthians chapter 1, are you there? Yeah. All right, let's start in verse 20 this morning. It says, for a few of the promises, part of the promises, half the promises. No, for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him are amen, under the glory of God by us. Now, he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is who? Who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now notice, this is very interesting here. Here it says, first of all, that all God's promises are what? So God is not a God who makes a promise and changes the promise the next day or makes a statement then turns around and makes a different statement the next day. You hear people quoting God all the time saying, God told me this, and then the next day they tell you, God told you this, and it's the opposite of what God told them the day before. How many of that might not be God? Because when God makes a statement, God stands by that statement and by that promise. Now, here it says he's given us the promises, and the promises in the New Testament, they are yes and amen, and already they're already done. Every promise that God needed to give you, he's already given you in the New Testament, everything that's in there. When you got born in the kingdom of God, basically, at that time, in that day, you were given divine rights that belong to you. Just like you're born in the United States, there are certain rights that you have in this country, basically, and you can take advantage of those rights. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. When you were born in the kingdom of God, there are certain rights in that kingdom that you can claim and have in your life. Now, you're not going to be able to claim them, first of all, if you don't have the anointing that shows them to you, what they are, how you can operate in them, what's available to you, and secondly, you need that power in order to enforce them in your life. Now, here it says, who has anointed you? God. Now, if you're going to be anointed, how many know God's probably the best one to be anointed by? So notice here, God has anointed me. Say, God has anointed me. Say, he really has. Now, we, we think about the anointing. We're trying to get the anointing. A lot of people wish God would give us the anointing. But according to Scripture, once you got born again, Christ and the Holy Spirit moved on the inside of you, and you have this anointing, you have this power that the Bible says will break every yoke off of your life. So the anointing, the anointing you have is to keep you free from the curse, free from the things of the world, so you can walk free from sickness, free from poverty, free from fear, free from depression, free from all these things, because you have an anointing that breaks every yoke. Yeah. Now, what we haven't understood is the anointing is important to us, 
but it's more important to God. God needed to give you the anointing. Why is that? Because back in the garden, Adam and Eve lost the anointing. When they sinned, the Spirit of God basically was taken out of the inside of them. They got a different nature on the inside of them. And God had a purpose back in Genesis chapter 1 where He would create a planet called Earth and He would put mankind on it. Say, that's me. He would put you on it to rule and reign on the earth through the authority and power that He gave. Now, that, that's your purpose. Your purpose is to be able to come to a place where you have victory and live over the little things in your life that you had trouble living over before. In other words, depression was a problem. That should not be a problem anymore because you've been born again and you've been changed. So God has restored us back to the very beginning where he said, let us make man in our image and likeness and let them have dominion on this earth. So the day you got born again, you walked right back into dominion. You walk back into the Spirit of God coming on the inside of you. The anointing came on the inside of you, and that is the power of God to break anything that tries to come upon your life if you will use the anointing. And in order for God to fulfill His purpose here, He needs you not only to have the anointing, but know how to use the anointing so you can fulfill His purpose, which is your purpose here on the earth. Are you following me? Yes. All right. Praise God. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. We're going to look again in the Old Testament. We're going to look at the anointing, show some things to you. 1 Samuel, right before 2 Samuel. Now, I always suggest to people, especially if they're newer, if they just got born again or whatever, one of the things I always suggest is that you read the New Testament first. Because if you don't read the New Testament first, you read the Old Testament, you are going to get into some serious confusion when you start reading some stuff in there. So basically, start in the New, get a little revelation of the New, so that you can see the Old is basically a type and shadow of the New then, and you won't get misled on different things that you see in there. All right, we found out uh, two weeks ago that a type and shadow of the anointing is what? Anybody remember? Oil, thank you, praise God. Oil, say oil. oil. All right, First Samuel chapter 10, look at verse 1. It's talking about Samuel, the prophet, and Saul. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his what? Now we found out two weeks ago that the oil is always poured upon what? The head, praise God. Then Samuel took the vial of oil, poured it upon his head, and kissed him, and said, It is not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. Say inheritance. Now, if you study the Bible, one thing that you're going to see is you already have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. You are a son of God, and Daddy's got an inheritance for you, and you are now a joint heir of everything that the kingdom of heaven has, and everything that you need already belongs to you. So the anointing in your life is so that you can activate and put into force in your life this inheritance that you've got. What is an inheritance? Well, as you read the Bible, it says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. It says that you've been healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. It says that you are now prosperous. It says that you have peace beyond understanding. It says that fear is not a spirit that God gives you anymore, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. All these things are an inheritance that you got, and basically now you are the captain of your own inheritance. Say, I'm the captain of my inheritance. See, we've thought for a long time God's the captain of our inheritance. And if he wants to give me peace, he'll give me peace. If he wants to give me joy, he'll give me joy. If he wants to heal me, he'll heal me. No, no. You've already have that inheritance, and the anointing is the power to receive all those things from God. Now, how am I going to receive them? Through the promises of God that are already yes and amen in my life. I'm going to release faith in the yes and amen, and that anointing that's in me is going to bring to pass through me all the things that I need from the kingdom of God. How many of you know where the kingdom of God is this morning? It's in you. It's on the inside of you. So we're not trying to work in our salvation, are we? We're trying to work 
without our salvation because everything we need is already on the inside of us. And by agreeing with that, we release by the anointing in us basically that power of God in our lives. All right, go up to verse, or verse 6. Here it talks about Samuel anointing Saul. Then it says in verse 6, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, Saul, and you shall prophesy with them, and you shall be turned into a what? Another man. Look at verse 9. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him what? Another heart. And all those signs came to pass. Now this, once again, types and shadows. You can see this is a type and shadow in the Old Testament of what happened to you in the New Testament. In the New Testament, when you walked into the kingdom of God and got born again, at that time you were turned into another man or another woman. You were not who you used to be. Praise God. Hallelujah. Many people are born again and still think they're the old person, living like the old person. But that day you became another man. Come on, you got another heart on the inside of you. What was it? It was a heart of God. It was a spiritual heart that was placed on the inside of you. It was love. It was joy. It was peace. It was power. It was authority that's been placed on the inside of you. And if you don't know you've been changed... See, see, the old man mentality cannot cooperate with the new anointing that came. See, it won't work that way. You can't think you're no good, sinner, worthless, and operate in the anointing of God because the anointing won't go to work. It only goes to work when you're in agreement with God and the nature that he's placed on the inside of you. So you've got to understand that something happened that day. You may have went to the mirror and looked, and you looked just like you always looked. You may have felt just like you always felt. But something spiritually happened in your life. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And here's the best part. Old things have Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Don't take any of that junk over here. Just stay over here in the new creation. This is who I am. This is who God I said. And now when you believe you're anointed, that anointing will start to work in your life. When you believe you have peace and nobody's going to steal it from me because I'm the captain of my inheritance and I'm going to walk in that and stay in agreement and that anointing will keep peace in you even in the midst of a storm. And how many know right now it's storming every day? There are no clear blue skies out there right now in the natural realm, praise God. But you don't have to live there. You can live in the anointing of God. So he was changed into another man with another heart. Say, I'm another man, and I have a different heart. All right, look at verse 10. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw this, behold, he prophesies among the prophets. Then the people said to one another, What is this? That is coming to the son of Kish. Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? Hallelujah. So here's Saul. He gets anointed. The anointing comes upon him. He's changed into a new man. He's got a new heart. And one of the first things he does is prophesy. Say prophesy. prophesy. Now how many know before the anointing came on him, he wasn't prophesying much? But when the anointing came on him by the Spirit of God, it released his language to line up with heaven, so he started prophesying. But now notice, he was not anointed to be a prophet. He was anointed to be king, right? So here comes the anointing. It's on him. He's a king, but he's a king, and then he all at once prophesies. So and a lot of people make this mistake just like they did. Just because God gives you a word to prophesy every now and then does not make you a prophet. Well, I prophesied one time and I hit it. I'm a prophet. No, you're not. You're a person that hit it and was with the Spirit. You, you said something. Are you following me? You're a prophet, praise God. You're not a prophet. So he was a king, but yet he was prophesying. And they said, you can't prophesy. Why? Your daddy didn't prophesy. Your grandpa didn't prophesy. And you're not a member of the prophets. You're a king. But the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you. You will do things outside of your running lane. You won't stay there now, but you've got the ability to do them. Do you understand? I'm a pastor. 
I can also prophesy. That doesn't make me a prophet. Are you following me? There's a lot of worship leaders who all at once think they become pastors and start a church. How many know that's not good? Because if you're not anointed to do that full time, you in trouble, praise God. Now, you can prophesy while you play the word of God on you or and do whatever and teach a little bit, but that's not your lane, and you cannot live in that lane because you'll die in that lane. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. What for? You can prophesy. You can do this. You can do that. But there's a lane that you got. And he was a king, but all at once he prophesied, and they thought that made him a prophet but it does not make you a prophet. Everybody has the ability to prophesy. Everybody has the ability to teach. Everybody has the ability. And in this church, we have different anointings. If you've never noticed them, you need to look for them. I'm anointed to basically be a pastor. I'm also anointed to be a teacher. I am not a prophet. We have people in here who are prophetic. Of course, Latasha is a prophetic. She has an anointing of a prophetic. Now, can she do something? Can she teach? Yeah. Can she, can she preach? Yeah, she can do it. But her main call is to be a prophet in the prophetic. Are you following me? And that's why it's different. The different anointings are not only different, but they're needed. That's why as a leader, you got to make sure that you don't dislike somebody else just because they have a different office and anointing than you and don't operate the way you do. See? Well, sister, you just need to slow down a little bit. You just need to put some water on that fire because that's not the way we teach. No, it's not the way you teach, but it's the way you preach when you're a prophet. Are you following me? So that anointing's on, and it's a different anointing, and it's different. Let's say, let's say Natasha gets up here. She says, two plus two is four, bless God, and that's just the way it is. Take one away, and it's three. And she sits down. A teacher gets up here and says, well, two plus two is four. If you had two apples, and you added two apples, you got four apples. But now if you take one of those apples away, there's going to be three apples. What is it? Anointing to teach, but the anointing to just shoves it out. It's like she shoves a steak in your mouth, but the teacher lets you chew it then. Are you following me? You understand? There's different anointings. And you can't get up here and say, well, that teacher is just so, so slow. Oh, my God, I'm used to somebody going faster. Than hey, you better chew a little bit. Because if you can't swallow it in a couple of days, you'd be spitting it out anyway, and then you need revived again. Come on now. So all these different are needed, all these things. And we've seen it different. I mean, Luann was different than Charlena. When she talk, and we're going to see some other people come who hasn't done it here, and they're going to be different. But you need all these, do you understand? And sometimes, you know, there was years and years and years, I listened to Kenny Copeland, listened to Kenny Copeland, listened to Kenny Copeland, and I, you know, I got a lot of stuff out of him. Then I went and listened to Christian Harfoos out of Pensacola, Florida. And he said something, and something triggered on the inside of me, and I thought, well, where's Kenny been? Where's Kenny been the last 20 years that I didn't get this? So I went back and listened to Kenny, and, you know, Kenny had been saying that for 20 years. And for some reason, I didn't get it over here. But when the other guy said it in a different way, all at once I got what poor Kenny been trying to give me for 20 years and I didn't know it. And that's why the anointings are different. You don't have to get upset because somebody operates different than you do. So Saul here basically had an anointing. He had an anointing on his life, but he prophesied. Now notice what it says here in verse 11. Well, we'll just read 10 and 11. And when they came thither the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and Saul prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him when? Before, before time. Say before time. Before. Now notice, when the Spirit of God comes upon you and starts operating in the anointing, you are going to have trouble mostly with the people who knew you beforehand. Because yeah. <laughs> it's something different. Something happened to you. What's the matter with you? Come on, drink the beer I bought you. What, what's the matter with you? Come on, let's go. Come on, are you going to dance with the bar me tonight or not? I ain't going to do that anymore. What's the matter with you? Is something the matter with I don't know what's the matter with you. He must be sick. Something's going on with him. He's a, see, because they knew you for all these years, and then all at once, a suddenly happened. 
And all at once, your desires changed and your thought life started to change and everything started to change. And the people beforehand had trouble with you doing what you were doing. Now, now here's the thing. When this happens in your life and it happens, when you get born again, you start to change. You do not have to promote yourself. That's a good way to turn them off even further. Well, brother, you just don't understand. I get drunk on the Holy Ghost. I don't need that Budweiser. And I'll wake up in the morning. You can't do that. They'll slap you and run away and never come back again. No, by the change in your lifestyle and the anointing on your life, they will sense that something's wrong. Keep sensing that you're changing. Keep seeing that it's a better way than what they did. And sooner or later, they're going to say, what happened to you? Door open. Now you can get them. See, you ask, you get it, brother. See? So they ask, and then you tell them, hey, I got born again, the Spirit of God's in my life, blah, 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 and they end up getting born again. But I'll tell you what, if you're really anointed, people will know you're anointed without you having to tell everybody you're anointed. See, it's all right to confess you're anointed if you are, but if you've got to go out and tell everybody, I'm a prophet, I'm anointed, I'm a preacher, I'm anointed, I'm a pastor, I'm anointed. You need to have me in your church because I'm a pastor and I'm anointed. And it just shows me that they're not too secure in their anointing. I don't even think they believe it, praise God, so they're trying to get somebody else to believe it. I mean, your lifestyle and your change, people will recognize the anointing that's on your life. So, so we, we don't have gimmicks here. Uh, we don't give away gas cards. We don't swallow goldfish. We don't do any of that stuff here. <laughs> What do we do? I just believe from day one that the word of the anointing is enough to draw people into a place where they want to understand the word of the anointing that they got and they want to live in victory, praise God. So you're going to have a problem. Are you going to have a problem with some relation after you get born again? Oh, yeah. Some friends. Oh, yeah. I tell you, some Christians. Oh, yeah. 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 Because there's a change. And some people get born again and never realize who they are, so they live the same way that they lived before they got born again. But all at once, you're changing, and you're different, and you're talking different, and you're thinking different, and you're going to church all the time. What's the matter with you? And you're giving. My God, what's the matter with you? And what happens? Before time, they have a problem with you then. So the anointing makes a change in your life. So the anointing changes my life. All right, look at verse 13. And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place, and Saul's uncle said unto him and to his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. And when he saw that there were nowhere, he came to Samuel. They lost two asses. They were trying to find out where they were. So they went to prophet to Samuel for him to tell them where they were. And Samuel did that, praise God. Look at verse 15. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. Now, how many know Samuel told him a lot more than just where the two asses were. Samuel told him that he was anointed to be a king. Samuel told him he's the captain of an inheritance. Samuel said that you're a new man. Samuel said that you're all the same. But no, he didn't tell his uncle any of those things. Look at verse 16. And Saul said unto his uncle, he told us plainly that the asses were found, but of what matter of the kingdom wherefore Samuel spake, he told him not. Now, why was that? Why do you think? Smart and also afraid. I mean, he asked, he opened the door, but he was afraid to say what was going on in his life and he was changed and God moved in and I'm a new man and all this taking place and, and for God's sakes, I prophesied and I did this. And Why is that? Because his uncle knew him before time and his uncle would have certainly not understood if he'd have told him about the kingdom of God and what was going on in his life, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 17. And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord in Mispeth and said unto the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all kingdoms and of the, that oppress thee. And ye have this day rejected your God 
who himself saved you out of all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. So God came to these people. He said, here's what I want to do. I want to start to institute the government of God again in which I am king. But they said, we don't want an invisible king. We want a visible king. We want somebody else to be king over us. We want to have our own little kingdom. So basically, what did he do? Samuel anointed Saul to be king over a natural kingdom. And God says, that's not what I want. He says, when you try any other government than mine, you're going to end up in trouble. How many of you have figured that out? Communist has been tried. Dictatorship has been tried. Socialism has been tried. Democracy has been tried. And every time corruption sneaks into that kingdom... So if you're going to tie yourself to this natural kingdom here, you're going to have some disappointing moments. But if you lock up to a kingdom of God where the king is righteous and the king is holy and the kingdom wants the best for you and the kingdom's trying to anoint you even more and get more and more into your life through the inheritance, you can live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But if not, you're not going to live in those things. See? So God said, you're making a mistake. Go ahead. I'll give you a king. He'll give it to you, but you're going to suffer for it. How many know they suffered? didn't work out. Why? Because corruption always comes in. The kingdom that really matters is the one now being ushered in from heaven, not from the earth. Nothing that comes up out of the earth will not get corrupted. But the kingdom that God is doing right now is through people who possess the kingdom of God, who are now releasing the culture of God into this realm with the power and the authority and the peace and the joy and the nature of God into people. And we're releasing that and it's growing. How many of you know the kingdom's growing? It's growing. You may not see it where you're at, but it is producing. It is growing. It is bringing some people out of their religious mindsets where they've been in churches for years and they're starting to get excited for the things of God and see that there's power that they never knew about, authority they never knew about. People come here all the time, go two times to this church, come to me and say, man, you are confusing me. I said, no, you were so confused before you got here. You were totally messed up. At least you're confused now to where you're with God and part not with God. You're not just all with the devil now. So that's hard for you to understand. But notice it'll change and God's bringing people up to a higher place. How I many you know he needs people up to come to a higher place? He needs people that can intercede and who are interested about his kingdom rather than this kingdom down here. Praise God, that's going on. All right, look at verse, where are we? Look at verse 19 again. We'll just go from there. You have this day rejected your God who himself saved you out of all your adversaries and your tribulations and have set unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by the families, the family of Matri was taken and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he has hid himself among the stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, we could stay here for months. We could stay here for months. What happened? Saul got anointed. He got anointed to be king. How I many you know he was an anointed king right now? He had prophesied. Glory to God. He had to be feeling pretty good right now, didn't he? Now at once it was time to present him to the people as a king. And when the time came, they couldn't find him. In other words, he started thinking, my God, they may not like this whole prophesying king business and me taking over and me being anointed and all that. I don't think I want to go. Uh, all, once all the spirits he had problem with, spirit of rejection, they're going to be low self-esteem. I can't do this. So he hid. So they're looking for him. He hid himself. Now notice where he hid himself. Among the stuff. <laughs> stuff. 
Notice, when you get anointed by God and put in your position where you're going, God's going to deal with some of your stuff. You'll start dealing with stuff, man. Why is that? Because you can't operate as a king. You can't operate as a pastor. You can't operate as anybody. You can't operate as an ordinary anointed person if you're going to have rejection in your life. If you're going to have low self-esteem in your life, gee whiz. If you're going to get offended at every little thing that happens to you, praise God. Glory to God, you can't go be a hermit so nobody ever says anything nasty to you. You're not going to get anything done. So what happened here? He had some stuff, didn't he? And he didn't want anybody to know what was going on. Well, I find out when I got born again, I had some stuff. See? I could get angry just like that. I could get mad at people just like that. And I'll tell you what, every time they were wrong. Never, I was never wrong. I couldn't figure it out. They couldn't figure it out why everybody was wrong. And I was right all the time. I couldn't really figure it out. It's amazing, isn't it? Just don't know why that is, praise God. And all this stuff, the anointing starts weeding out of you. And as he does that, your hiding starts to come out to a place where you're not afraid to do what you were called to do. And this takes place when you start trusting in what he gave you more than what you had before he gave it to you. Are you following? Uh, how am I ever going to rule a church? How am I, Saul says, how am I ever going to be king? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you have an anointing. Now, if you're not going to do, do, do the anointing and just try to be a king, you better hide and you better find some more stuff so they can't even find you. Because everything that you're called to do is done by the anointing of God that's on you. So Saul had to slowly start trusting that anointing. And I mean, no, slowly means slowly. You just don't do this in a one-day thing. It takes time for you to start depending more on the God who's in you than everything that's going on around you. You can't put your sights on yourself to do things because you can't do them if God called you to do them. And if God anointed you to do them, don't expect him to do them, or why should he give the anointing to do them to you if he was going to do them without it? And we'll pray, oh, Lord, do this, do that. And God will say, I anointed you to do that. Do this, do that. I anointed you to do that. Well, rebuke this. I gave you the authority, whatever you bind on earth you want. I mean, half the time, if you pray stupid, God's going to be answering you before you can get it out, thank God. No, that's your, that's your job. You've been anointed. I've been anointed to be a pastor. I've slowly learned to trust in the anointing of God that's on my life. The spirit of wisdom and revelation that brings revelation to me on a continual basis. I'm not one that says, well, I ain't got nothing this week because God hadn't spoken to me in weeks and I just don't know what's the matter with him. See, you don't do that. You trust in that anointing that God has given you on the inside. And it's hard because it's easier to trust in things out here that you can see. And there's times in me when you've got a goosebump and you, you can think of every sermon in the world you want to preach. But then you wake up Monday morning and you ain't got an ounce, praise God. You don't know where it all went, but you feel like it's the worst day of your life. And then you got to preach on Wednesday night and then you're going through the Bible and you're... Lord, when I used to preach on that Thursday night, when I first started out in that Catholic prayer meeting, I'll tell you what, I was studying 350 hours a day just checking it. And, and I get a little bit of something and think I'm going that direction. Then I hear another tape. And, no, no, that's where I'm supposed to go. And this is where I'm supposed to go. And by the time I got there Thursday night, I didn't know where in the heck I was going, to be honest with you. I didn't know what to do. But see, if you'll trust the anointing of God that you have on the inside of you and go that, that's why God gave you the anointing to begin. So verse 22 again. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should come hither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he has hid himself among the stuff. Verse 23. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. How many know he must have been a tall guy? Verse 24. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord has chosen that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Now, I guarantee you, these were natural people. They weren't in the spirit. They saw that he was a much taller than everybody else as their king. And they're saying, praise God. But that's not what Samuel meant. 
Samuel meant he's different and above all the people because he's the only one now who has the anointing. See, you can start to honor people by their outward appearance rather than what they possess on the inside. See? Oh, look at that guy there. He really looks... That's one of the best suits I've ever seen. I priced that one time. That's $700, my God. Even without the shoes. It's unbelievable. He looks like a preacher to me. Praise God. He's on TV. Glory to God. He's got a church of 10 million people. Glory to God. But what do you detect on the inside? Come on. That's what makes you different from other people because you have an anointing on the inside of you and people should sense and recognize that anointing. And I'll tell you, it, you know, it, it's something that the more you, you're in the anointing, the more you can sense on people. Sometimes I can walk up to people and I know exactly what God's calling them to do even though they don't know already. But will I tell them? No, not till God tells them. I don't want to lead their life. I want to verify it once it's led to them. Do you see what I mean? Maybe they'll come up to me later on and, uh, and I mean, God had been speaking to me. I'll just give you an example about Barbara. He says that, you know, Barbara gets up here and she seems like she can teach. She's been around here a long time. She can do this and that and this and that. So last night I just fell in the mood. So I just went up to Barbara and, and went up to Debbie Stillwell and I said, hey, I want you to teach on a Wednesday night. And Barbara came up and said, you know, God spoke to me about two weeks ago and gave me a message. And I said, why give me a message when I don't really teach or preach anyway? And so what happened? God spoke to me. God spoke to her. She didn't know why she was spoke to. I didn't. I was hoping I was spoke to about her. You see what I mean? So what happened? It works out the anointing that's on the inside of her. Now she'll get a chance to start releasing that anointing as a teacher. See, we've got so many people in here that can teach. I'm telling you right now. I mean, Luann last week blew it away. Charlena the week before blew it away, man. I'm telling you what, these people are good. I think I'm just going to put them up every week and just sit there and just receive from everybody and just... Hallelujah. All right, verse 25. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up for the people. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Oh, my goodness. All right, so here it is. They're breaking up. They're gone. Samuel's gone one way. Saul's gone the other way. But notice there are some people who went with Saul. What are they? They're people who what? God had what? Now, notice. You don't pick people to be part of your ministry. You don't say, well, let's see. It's your lucky day. You're going to be part of this ministry. It's your lucky day. It's going to be part. No, you just do what you're supposed to do, and God provides people with you. See? Jim and Mitzi have been with me forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Mark and Sandy Bender have been with me forever and ever. Amen. Why is that? Because basically God picked them. I didn't pick them. God picked them basically to help in this ministry. You're here because you were drawn here. Yes. It was a God thing to draw here and help this ministry do what this ministry is going to do. You do not pick out. Otherwise, we'd pick out the ones with the most money. Yeah. 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 Come on. Would we not? <laughs> See, you'd pick out ones that you don't really want to have anyway rather than the ones that God has brought in to, who are hungry for what you have to give out. And there's nothing worse than trying to give the anointing God has given you into somebody that doesn't want it. I already told him, if it ever gets to that, I'm quitting. I'm going to go talk to myself in the mirror. At least I like to hear me. Come out! See, because the anointing should be drawn out of the insider. There should be people that's hungry to understand and do what they want to do. So notice, you'll be fouled. Now notice what it says in verse 27. But the children of Belial said, How shall these men save us, or this man save us? And they what? Despised him, and they brought him what? No presents. I hate that scripture. They got mad and gave the guy no presents. He was their leader. They got mad at him. So notice, 
Not only are you going to have people who follow you, but you're going to have some people who knoweth, liketh, youeth. Are you following me? They just don't like you. They don't know why they don't like you. And I'll tell you why it is. Because the devil in them doesn't like the God in you. And they either got to get rid of the God in them and come along, or they're just going to go in a different way and in a different area too. We've had people, I don't know how many people over the first 10 years come in and uh, we want to be your right-hand man and woman. We're going to step in and be your right-hand man. Okay, whatever God's calling you to do, and they're here for about a year. And what happens all at once? They get offended. See, they had some stuff yet, and they weren't ready to be there. And some more stuff came, and some more stuff. Or I would correct them. That's a capital S on stuff. But notice, when I correct, I correct to help someone see something or do something. I'm not correcting them to keep them down. I'm correcting them to move them up. And there's a different way of correcting, of course, and doing those kind of things. But they were going to do it, going to do it, going oh, they were going to be with you in prison. They're gone. And as soon as somebody steps down, here comes another couple. Everybody's waiting in line, you know. But we're stepping up now. We will never leave you nor forsake you for two weeks. And I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, they're good Christians. They're good people. But most of them went someplace else, and they're really doing nothing now. And I know there's a call of God on their life, but, I mean, you've got to be able to, if you're going to step up and think you're in a higher position, you know, called in a church, then you've got to be able to take offense. You've got to be able to get rid of rejection. Rejection is a biggie. I'll tell you what, Saul was rejected here. He didn't want anybody to know why they were going to reject me, and nobody was going to like me, and I don't want to do that. I can remember I was in a, I'm going to do that right, I was in a service I must have been saved three years. And there was uh, Elias Antonis. Some of you know him. Most of you don't. He was preaching, and he, and he taught on rejection. And he taught on how it was, what did, everything else. And then once he said, just close, he was real, just close your eyes for a second. You know, that's the way he was. Just close your eyes. So I said, well, he told me to close my eyes. I'm going to close them, you know. So I'm closing my eyes back there. And he said, spirit of rejection, come out. Come out. Not once I felt, whoop. Whoop! And I said, that couldn't have been me. I don't have any rejection. It must have been somebody else's passing through me to get out over here or whatever. And that's all he said. And he said, there, you're free. And he went back and started talking. And I thought, my God, I am free. And I didn't even, didn't even know I had it. Didn't even know it was in there. Didn't even know it was part of it. But he did it very calm, very anything else. Just close your eyes right now for a second. Everybody, close them. No, I'm going to. Close them. Close them. Come on. You can close them. Just... If, Close one, then the other. If you can't do both at once, it's all right. All right, if you're suffering from any kind of rejection right now, which I believe many in the body of Christ are, praise God, I just tell you right now, come out in the name of Jesus. You come out of their hearts. You come out of their minds. You leave their lives. Spirit of offense, you go right now in Jesus' name. Anybody that from years past or from right now, you get out of their lives right now in the name of Jesus. They're born again, filled with the Spirit of God, and you have no legal right in the kingdom of God whatsoever to afflict them with rejection and inflict them with these things. And I thank you for it and give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, look at verse 20, 27 again. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents. Now look at the last line. But he did what? Oh, my God. Is that, is that maturity or what? Come on now. Is that grown up or, or what? Now, holding your peace in that situation is tough. You're already king. 
You could have just said, off with their heads, brother, and let, we'll get rid of that people right there. But he didn't do that, did he? Why is that? Because he was in the anointing of God. He still loved people. He still wanted the best for people. He still hung in there. So basically, he had all these people who were despising him, said he couldn't do anything, and he just basically at that time left it go. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say the anointing. The anointing. All right, let's go a little further. Go to chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 1, here it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people. How many know the Bible says you are a king, and you are a priest unto God? All right, verse 3, Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Now how many know this is God talking? He's talking to Saul, who's an anointed king, basically. Yet he tells him to go into these people and kill every single one of them. The babies kill them. The men kill them. Now, if you don't read the New Testament and understand it, and you read the Old Testament first, you're going to be one scared puppy before it's over with. But notice, why was this taking place? This was taking place because back then, no one had authority over the devil, and they didn't even know anything about the devil. They thought, like the church does today, it's all God. God's in control of everything. So what did they think here, basically? God was telling them that there's a transfer of spirits, not only on people, but even on animals, even on infants from parents and stuff. And the only way we're going to stop that demonic spirit is not cast it out because we can't at this time. We are going to kill them all. I mean, you know, the Spirit's got no place to go then yeah. if they're all dead. Now, in the New Testament, we do not kill people. Right. <laughs> We'd have a lot less people, wouldn't we? <laughs> we don't kill people who are demon-possessed. We are told to use our anointing to cast the devil out of their life, all right? You understand? Oh, God's going to kill me. No, he's not going to kill you. Praise God. He wants to send you free. So he goes and he tells Saul, you do this. You kill every one of them. You get rid of them. Look at verse 7. And Saul smote Amalek and the Amalekites from Havalah until there cometh to Sir that is over Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen and the best of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and he would not utterly destroy them but everything that was vile he refused and they destroyed utterly. Now how many know that's not what God told him to do? Look at verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel saying, It repenteth me, God says, that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and Samuel cried. So here's God coming to Samuel says, man, I don't know why I ever made this guy king. First you wanted a king and I had to give you one and this is the best I had then and he ain't doing any good. So notice what Samuel did. He cried to the Lord all night. He did not go out and spread rumors about the king. He did not do this. He basically interceded for the king at that time who was making a mistake. All right, verse 12. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, he was told... It was told Samuel, saying, Saul, come to Carmel, and behold, he set up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Look at me, I did exactly what God wanted me to do. Praise God. Look at verse 14. And Samuel said, Then why do I hear sheep, man? Why do I hear oxen going, Ooh, if you killed all those animals, how come I'm hearing these? <laughs> come on now. 
what's this I hear? What was he doing? He was trying to cover up what he did. So notice what he says in verse 15. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. Notice, not I made a mistake. These darn people you gave me to rule over decided to take all these animals because they were the finest animals that they had and bring the king here. Not like I did anything wrong. It wasn't me. It was those darn people basically that did it. Look at verse 18. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore thou did not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil, and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way. Now how many times can this guy, I mean, my Lord, this guy's anointed. This guy's a king. He already said he didn't do it once, and now he's saying it the second time. Praise God that he didn't do it. Look at verse 21. But the people, they took the spoil, the sheep, and the oxen. Didn't have, I didn't have anything to do with it. It was them. We found out Pastor Tom had an adultery. It was the people. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't have nothing to do with it. It was all the people out here who were doing it. Praise God. They, they're the ones that did it. That church ain't working. It's the people. They just don't know what they're doing out there. So he started blaming everyone. He wouldn't even take blame for what he did, basically. And one of the best things is, look at here at the bottom, verse 21. But the people took the spoiled sheep and oxen and chief of those things which have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, how many know that, that he had to think that over a while? He got it. You know why we took all these greatest animals? Because we love the Lord so much. They were going to sacrifice them to the Lord as a sacrifice unto God when God's the one who told him to kill them in the first place. Now, let me tell you something. In the eyes of the people right now, he looks very good. He went in. He conquered a bunch of people. He brought the king back and showed him around that he had defeated him. He brought the best of the stuff left to the people. You know the people were saying, Hallelujah, Saul. Praise God, Saul. Everything's going good. Glory to God, Saul, all this. But how many know at the same time in the other end of the spectrum, he had disobeyed God. He had rejected his word. He wasn't even doing what the Lord did. But in the eyes of the people, say in the eyes of the people. See, your, your call on the anointing of God is not to get popular in the eyes of the people. Right. Your anointing is to be in the eyes of God. Amen. And if people don't understand that, that's too bad because when thou diest, they're not going to be there with you when you see the Lordeth. And he says, well, Aunt Matilda didn't like that and Uncle Joe sure didn't like what you were doing. That ain't going to have it, see? So another thing that in your life you're going to have to come with this anointing of God is you're going to have to find out that you cannot be a people pleaser and operate the anointing of God. Because the more anointing comes on your life and the higher up you go, the more people want to get to you. I mean, I, I get words. People give me words on paper. Give me, this is the Lord. That's the Lord. This is the Lord. And I don't know where it does. It wasn't the Lord when I saw the paper. And sometimes you get some, you know, that are good or whatever. And people will come up to you and they'll say stuff. And I'll tell you, I found out even, you know, a while back, a long time ago, well, I guess it was a long time ago, somebody came up front and they said, oh, they, they, you guys are just so in the anointing and so power and blah, 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 blah. We want to give you a bunch of money and we want to remodel the back in there. The kitchen used to be the whole kitchen, but we want to put a wall in there where you can go in the kitchen, make it separate. We want to give you the money to do that because we feel Lordless. I said, hey, whatever the Lord led you to do, you go ahead and do. So they gave the money and we're starting to remodel back there. And then about a month later, same person comes up and says, you know, it's looking real good back there. I said, it is. Thank you very much, you know, for what God spoke to you. And they said, uh, well, let me just tell you that I think the music's just a little bit too long. I think it's just a shade long. I think maybe a few songs shaved off. And sometimes when you preach, you get a little too bold. If you could just back it off a little bit. I felt like saying, put the wall back up. Get up, put it Jesus, get up. And, you know, people do that. 
they do that. They see the, the availability. They see the opportunity to move in. They see that. So you've got to come into a place where you're discerning things and you cannot be led by people. You know, even, even to be told that you gave a wonderful sermon if you're not careful in your early years. I've got to be honest with you, my early years, I needed somebody to say I was doing something right because I didn't really know at that time. Now I don't need, you know, I don't need Becky to go home and say, oh, it was just the greatest sermon I've ever heard in my life. As a matter of fact, sometimes she'll come home and say, after saying nothing for two months, boy, that was a good sermon. And then the devil says, well, she didn't like your other seven. <laughs> come on. See how the thoughts come? Well, good. She finally liked a sermon. She'd been coming to church for 15 years, and she finally got a hold of one there. But you don't think that way. Do you see what I mean? This one just stood out to her a little bit more, and God knows who to minister and how to minister to. Why? Because God has placed an anointing on my life to do what I'm doing, so blah, 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 blah. See? All right, let's just wrap this up here. Uh, look at verse 23. He says, for rebellion. How many know that's a problem? Sin of witchcraft. How many know that's a problem? Stubbornness, idolatry, because thou has rejected the word of the Lord. God has also rejected thee from being king. Now, people say, well, that's terrible that God would reject somebody. He didn't reject him. You reap what you sow. If you're going to reject God's word, which is God, God's going to have to reject you. If you don't forgive somebody, God can't forgive you. See, everything in the kingdom of God is reaping and sowing. Verse 24, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Verse 26, And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. In other words, he reaped what he sowed. But what happened? He got off into being a people pleaser. People can give you suggestions to do things in your ministry, and sometimes you need to pray on them and see. You know, they may be from God, but if they're not from God, then you've got to be in a position where you can tell them that it just wasn't for now or for whatever. You know, you just don't want to say, no, I don't take people's opinions. That's just the way I am because I don't fear man. Well, I want you to do this. Nope, 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 nope. See, there's a balance to everything that's in your life, every teaching, everything. That's why you need different ministers who teach you and who show you and who do things because they've all got different areas and different aspects in your life to grow you up. But I'm trying to show you that you have an anointing and learning to live in that anointing is something you need to learn to do. And the more you practice living in the anointing, the more you grow an understanding of how to live in the anointing. See, there's things that you say that other people wouldn't even think are bad things to say, but God will point out they are bad things to say even when nobody else knows they're bad things to say, you know. There's a guy one time at the time clock, and he was at the post office, and he got hurt. He had his arm in a sling, and, you know, I just walked up to him, and I said, you know, uh, you know, God likes God will heal your, your arm or whatever and whatever. And he said, oh, yeah, I know. I've heard about that stuff, and I've seen people knock down and throw clothes at him or something. But I don't really think I'm in there. I said, that's fine. So I just stepped aside, and one of the other guys came up behind him. And here's what the guy said. He said, my brother had a shoulder just like that. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, man, it really got worse. I mean, the bones just got ate up in there, and the cartilage got ate up, and pretty soon it jumped into his other arm. And this guy's going, you know, what is that? Now, you don't want to walk up to people and give them examples of people who died with a disease that they had. You understand? Because you've got to think how it's going to affect them. And you've got to understand that doctors many times don't have anointing and spiritual discernment. So they're going to hit you with things that you definitely don't need to be hit with. And sometimes you've got to get that out of there right away. 
Because the more that you think about it and the more you meditate on it, the bigger it gets on the inside of you. So check yourself even before you say something. See, there's times to bless people. There's times not. There's time to say things. There's time not to say things. But just understand that everybody's different and everybody hears what you're saying. And the more, I hate to say higher up, but the more you move in the anointing and understand the anointing, the more people respect what comes out of your mouth. So your mouth even gets more dangerous than if you're just Joe Blow who's off the street and says something to you and you don't care anyway because you don't want, but I mean, when you're in a position where you start to move up and you say something to people, they take to heart what you're saying, that you know what you're saying. Are you following me? So if you're going to grow up in that position, then you've got to start understanding what you say and what you do make an effect on other people in your life. You've got to be very careful about what you say. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's like the example I gave, you know, and Chrissy's here, but I'll give it anyway. You know, when Chrissy wasn't here and Luann was here and Chrissy was up there and Chrissy said, how did praise and worship go? And I said, it went wonderful, Chrissy, but I really missed you. See, I could have said, it was the best worship we've ever had since we've been here. Praise God. I want you to know, Chrissy, you missed a good one there. And then Chrissy hears, well, he didn't even want me up there. Come on now. Uh, what's the matter? I guess I shouldn't be up there. I guess somebody else should be up there. So when you answer things, you've got to be careful. Do you see what I mean? It gets to a point to where you're more concerned with others than yourself. How I many know that's a step? You want to be careful what you say and want to do what you say because it can come out wrong that what you say it comes out and then people don't understand basically what you said. Praise God. Hallelujah. And if you read more in here, you know, the next couple chapters, Saul actually loses the anointing. Now, how many know if you're, if you're a New Testament person, never read the New Testament, and all you read was the Old, then all at once it's, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take it from me. You took it from Saul. Don't take it from me. And the New Testament says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Right. See? But you got a mindset over here, and if he took it from King Saul, he's going to take the Holy Ghost from me. No, he's not going to take the Holy Ghost from you. That's Old Testament once again, praise God. And then it says, if you read further, it says, a demon spirit from God was sent upon him. Now, how many know God's not in the business of throwing demon spirits at people? But if you don't know the New Testament again, ooh, I got a devil. God threw it at me. You understand? You read the Old Testament, it's going to mess you up until you get some insight into what's going on. God is not in the use my demons business in order to touch people's lives or do things like that. It's not it. But it reads that way in the Old Testament because it does not say anything in there. And most of the verbs there are allowing verbs or permissive verbs. So in other words, God allowed the devil to come upon Saul after he lost the anointing. Why? Because the absence of the anointing leads to bondage. It's just a spiritual law there. So he had David come and play the harp, and the anointing came, and when the anointing came, the anointing came and moved the bondage out, and Saul was all right again. Now, if you don't understand the things of the Bible, you will say, let me see, uh, this is the first book I ever read, and God will put a devil on you, and then he'll send somebody with a harp to play music to get the devil he put on you, off of you, so that, I mean, you won't know God from a turnip before it's over with. You won't know if he's good, bad, or anything else. That's why it's important to seek these things out. God is good all the time. Okay? No matter what the Old Testament says in this scripture, that he is good all the time. And you need to understand that and understand what's going on because that will affect your anointing also. Do you know that? I mean, if you're going to believe that God puts the devil on people and I'm anointed to deliver people, who do I know is demon-possessed and who do I know that God demon-possessed? Hi, did the devil put, God put the devil on you or did he just come on you? Would you let me know so I could know whether to deliver you or not? I mean, how are you going to minister in the anointing? 
You can't do it. See, you, you've got to be in a yes and amen promise in order to do that. And you don't even know where the devil came from, for God's sakes, when you're trying to cast the devil out of him. So you can't do it. So basically, the promises of God in the New Testament will straighten you out. There are examples in the Old Testament. We went over the last two weeks about the oil and, and how to operate in the anointing and how to do things. Stay away. When you catch yourself being a rejection, just stop it. You can stop anything you want in your life. Let not sin have dominion over you. That's up to you in order to do that stuff. And the more you'll start flowing in the anointing, the more you'll understand the anointing, and the more you'll grow in the anointing. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, jump up this morning. And we celebrate this time of the year. Christmas, Jesus' birth, but you know, there's probably about 20% of the Christians who actually know why Jesus came on Christmas Day to begin with, <laughs> and he came basically. He came to suffer and to die on the cross so that you could be born back into the kingdom of God, so that you could have anointing in your life again, so that you could have authority over every area of your life. That was the purpose he came. All those things in the middle there were to get to a point to where he could reinstate you to who you are and what you can do in the anointing of God. And if you have any questions, ask the Holy Ghost. He's a person. He's real. You can ask him, should I say this? Shouldn't I have said that? Should I do this? You know, and just follow the Spirit of God on the inside of you. We're not led by things out here. You're led by inside information. Say, I have inside information. Not the New York Times. Not the local newspaper. My information comes from the inside of me. Hallelujah. All right, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your spirit of God and your anointing that you've placed on each and every one of us. Now, Holy Ghost, I know this is what you want to do. You want to continue to lead and guide everybody in here to the promises of God so that they get solid and established in them as yes and amen problem, uh, prob promises. And then also the Holy Ghost. Establish them in you, your presence, your wisdom, your knowledge, so that we can start receiving everything that we need to fulfill our destiny and our purpose here in the earth realm. Father, I pray that even through last night, through our fellowship and stuff, that we grow closer and closer together as one unit, that we grow closer and together as love and caring for one another. And I just thank you for what you're doing in this body, in this day and in this hour. It's a very important time. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. the key.